Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make sure you're aware of a few things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks at Hope Church LV, and also be sure to check out our website at hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're going as a church. Once again, thank you so much for checking out this sermon at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Have you ever faced an impossible situation? Have you ever been in a situation and in the moment you thought to yourself, I I don't know if this is going to work. Have you ever had one of those moments? Most recently for me, I had one of those moments on May the 26th, 2019. That was a Sunday, and it was the day that we brought our new baby girl home from the hospital. My wife, Shar and I were blessed in the month of May with a new daughter named Noel. And your expression is my thought exactly. She was born on May the 20th. And when she was born, she had some respiratory distress, and so she was taken immediately to the NICU. And here's one of the things that that meant. That meant that my three other daughters, Cadence, Reagan, and Scarlett, never actually got to see Noel at the hospital. So on May the 26th, 2019, as we brought Noel home from the hospital, we pull up in the van, my wife Shar and I, and our three daughters are waiting in the driveway along with their grandmothers, absolutely ecstatic to meet their new baby sister. And so we get Noel out of the van and we walk into our living area. And the only way I know how to describe the way my other daughters were acting is if you've ever been to the beach and there was some food on the beach and the way the seagulls just kind of go after the food, that's kind of what it was like in my living room. And my kids start to yell and fight and scream, I want to hold her first. No, I'm her sister. No, I love her more. And I went from this peaceful drive home in the van with my wife and my new baby girl to this madhouse in my living room where I don't know who's crying, who's screaming, who's eating, who's going to the bathroom. That was also the very first moment we were all together as a family of six. So I remember standing in my living room, and here's the thought that I had. This is absolutely chaos. And this is my new reality. And it was also the first time I thought, wow, in a family of six, I'm the only guy. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work or not. Hey, as a church family, we are in the very last week of a series called Walk This Way. And earlier in this series, we looked at a command from Ephesians chapter 5. And it's a command that when you hear it or when you think about it or when you read it, quite honestly, you have to look at it and say, all right, left to myself, that's impossible. Here's the command I'm talking about, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Be imitators of God. 
We've understood through this series that that command means allowing the reality of who God is and how he relates to us to dominate every aspect of our life. One Greek scholar, William Barclay, said it is the highest standard in the world. Because this command is not just something we're to obey every once in a while or on some special occasion. This is a command that we're to obey every moment of every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. That means that every thought, every attitude, every action, every decision is to play out in submission to this command to be imitators of God. If it's just up to us, impossible situation. But here's how we're going to spend our time today. We're going to look at yet another principle that Paul shares in Ephesians chapter 5, reminding us that if it's all up to us, impossible. But Christ in us, it can happen. So if you have a Bible tonight, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. Over the last month, we have looked at numerous commands in Ephesians chapter 5, in addition to this command of being imitators of God. And over the course of looking at those commands, we've learned something that I think is really significant. Here's what we've learned. That God gives us commands in order to protect us. You see, God doesn't give us commands because he's up in the cosmos with his arms crossed, passing out rules that we're to follow. God gives us commands in Scripture in order to protect us and to show us how life is to be lived according to his design. And in the text we're about to read, we're going to see several other commands in this passage. And those commands that we're about to read, they are also given to us that God may protect us and show us how life is to be lived. Now, before I read our text, I want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together as a church family. Every time we do that at Hope, it's always a very special time. Pastor Vance is going to be back to lead that service. But make plans to be here next Sunday as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. The main theme within this passage of Scripture has to do with the Holy Spirit of God. So the way I want us to unpack and hopefully apply this text is I want to ask and answer three simple questions about the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the first question. What do we know about 
the Holy Spirit. What do we know about the Holy Spirit? You may be here and you love the subject of the Holy Spirit. You may be here and you despise this topic. You don't like talking about it. Or you may be somewhere in the middle. But I believe if we're really going to apply this text from Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, we must establish a biblical foundation of what the Scripture in totality teaches us about the Holy Spirit of God. So this is not an exhaustive framework, but I want to share just a few truths that we know about the Holy Spirit of God. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. The third and co-equal member of the Trinity. Contrary to what you and I may read on the internet, God the Holy Spirit is not a mystic force. He is not a gas. He is not some ghostly presence who does not relate to us. He is a person. He is God the Holy Spirit and co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. In John chapter 14, Jesus is talking about God the Father and the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He said, I will ask the Father, meaning God the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Who is Jesus referring to that God the Father is going to send as a helper? He's referring to God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. Secondly, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in us at the moment of salvation. Look again at what Jesus said in John 14, verse 17. He said, he, meaning the Holy Spirit, abides with you and will be in you. He is making reference to the indwelling presence of God. You see, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God comes to reside in us. And at that moment, God continually dwells with believers by His Spirit. The last foundation I want to share with you about what we know as we look at the totality of Scripture about the Holy Spirit is this. The Christian life is impossible apart from Christ in us living through us by His Spirit. There's no way, if it's left up to us, impossible. I love what John MacArthur said about this reality. He said, the whole of the Christian life is the reproduction of godliness as seen in the person of Christ. The only way we can become imitators of God is for the Lord Jesus Christ to live his perfect life through us. We are totally dependent on his spirit to become like him. So if you're walking into this gathering, maybe you've never been in a church context before. Here's a few things we know based on the totality of scripture about the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
The Holy Spirit begins to dwell inside the believer at the moment of salvation. And the Christian life is not possible apart from the Spirit in us living through us. So that's what we know, a few of the things we know biblically about the Holy Spirit. Here's a second question I want us to talk about for a few moments. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's a couple phrases here in verse 18 in our text that when you read it, you kind of lean into it a little bit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I believe what Paul shares in verse 18 is both practical and necessary if we are going to faithfully follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in another one of his letters to the church at Corinth, said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation of the Bible. He said, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. How is it that God's power fills our lives? Here's the answer. The Holy Spirit of God. Let's read verse 18 again. And do not get drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul begins verse 18 with the word and. Here's why that's significant. He's connecting what he just said with what he's sharing in verse 18. What he has just said in verse 15 is that we are to walk as wise people, not as unwise people. And so as he unpacks our text for today, he is talking more about what it means to walk in wisdom. And in the same way that he has given us contrasts throughout this passage, all the way back to Ephesians 5 and verse 2, he once again in verse 18 gives us a contrast. A contrast that reflects God's way versus the world's way. He gives two commands in verse 18. He first says, do not get drunk with wine. And then he says, be filled with the Spirit. So Paul is sharing with us something we are not to do. And then he's given instruction of something we are to do. Now, here's the big idea in verse 18. The big principle that we all have to embrace tonight as we look at this verse of Scripture. If we are controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit of God, we are not walking in wisdom. We are walking in foolishness. That's the big idea. If there's anything that is controlling your life or my life, other than God, the Holy Spirit, we are not walking in the wisdom Paul references here in Ephesians chapter 5. We are, in fact, walking in foolishness. In the first part of verse 18, Paul references alcohol. When a person becomes drunk with alcohol, everything about that person is affected. Their thoughts, their reactions, their feelings, their perspective. Today, we would describe a person who is drunk 
as under the influence of alcohol. They are under the control of alcohol. And Paul says that that is dissipation, which is a word that means reckless or wastefulness. So the result of drunkenness is sinful recklessness. But then as he continues in the verse, he shows the other side. He shows the other contrast. Being drunk represents the world's way, but then he clarifies God's way. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. As you read the scripture, you see numerous phrases that are used to describe the Holy Spirit's work in and among people. The phrase Paul uses here is be filled with the Spirit. Now, unfortunately, that is a phrase that has been very misused, very misrepresented all over the world. However, as we see today, that is a biblical phrase. The literal meaning of this phrase reflects continuous action. You could say it this way. Be being filled with the Spirit. Or you could say, keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's the idea, it's the picture of being led or governed by something or someone. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be constantly under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Our thoughts, our emotions, our actions, our will, everything led and governed by the Holy Spirit of God. We see this phrase in other places in the New Testament. In the Gospel of Luke, we see this phrase. They were filled with wrath, meaning they were completely controlled by wrath. And there's something about verse 18 that is absolutely fascinating to me. I think it's amazing that in verse 18, we see this command, which is really an invitation, to be filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Yet we also see in verse 18, the enemy's cheap counterfeit that many people turn to rather than looking to the helper that has been sent from God. I mean, think about it. Today, millions of people will turn to some form of substance to forget their problems, to ignore their hurts, or to get over their loneliness. Maybe you've heard some people say this phrase when talking about their engagement with some substance, whether that's a drug or that's a drink. They'll say something like, I turn to those things when I'm confused in order to forget my problems. Here's what's interesting and what is so fascinating to me about verse 18. While that is coming out of the mouth of many people around the world, do you know one of the ways the Holy Spirit is described in Scripture? He's described as the counselor. So while many people are turning to some form of a substance because honestly they don't know what to do about their problems, God has sent a helper called the Holy Spirit who the Bible teaches us is our counselor. But we've settled for the counterfeit. Another phrase that maybe you've heard, I know I've heard, is someone will say, 
I turn to those things, whatever those things may be, when I'm hurting. I'm in a lot of pain right now, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. And so I turn to this substance to get rid of the pain. Do you know one of the ways the Holy Spirit is described in the New Testament? He's described as the comforter. So the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has been sent to the earth to bring us comfort. But there are many people who are turning to some form of a substance in order to find the comfort they'll never find because it's only found in the Holy Spirit of God. Another phrase maybe that you've heard, I know I've heard, I turn to those things when I feel alone. We just talked about this, but God sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am an ever-present help in times of trouble. Yet the world has fallen to the lie of the enemy and they're turning to the substitute rather than turning to the Holy Spirit of God who is our ever-present helper. One final phrase I thought about, maybe you've heard someone say this, but they'll say, I turn to those substances when I'm overwhelmed, when I need to do something that I know I really can't do or when I'm confused or, or something to that effect. The Bible teaches that the Spirit gives grace and empowers us to do what we could never do on our own. And it's fascinating to me that in verse 18, you see God's way, the Holy Spirit of God filling people, and then you see the world's way, a cheap counterfeit that will never deliver on what it promises to do. Yielding to the control of the Holy Spirit does not deaden you to reality. He awakens you to what matters most, the things of God. Here's the big principle in verse 18. If you and I are controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit of God, we are not walking in wisdom, we are walking in foolishness. It's yet another contrast in Ephesians chapter 5 that shows us God's way and the way he desires for us to walk versus the world's way. So that's a summary of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be under the control, the leadership, to be governed by the Spirit of God. In our time remaining, I want to wrestle with one more question. What does this mean for me today? That's what the Bible tells us about the Holy Spirit. That's the meaning of this phrase, be filled with the Spirit. Well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for you today? Well, today and every day, we must make a decision to be controlled, to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, there's a difference in what happens at the moment of salvation when the Holy Spirit takes residence in us and what Paul commands us to do here in verse 18. There's a difference. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. Yet, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, we must choose to yield to the Holy Spirit's filling and control in our lives. There's a difference. Every day, we must decide to allow the Holy Spirit to govern our lives. Now, even as I say that, I recognize that's a struggle. 
That's a battle all of us face. It's not like just flipping the light switch on and off. It's tough to do. But if you are a Jesus follower, every day, every moment, you have to make a decision how you are going to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what I mean by that. You can respond to the Holy Spirit by grieving the Holy Spirit. As you study the New Testament, you see that we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we find pleasure in the very things Jesus died to set us free from. When we find ourselves in situations when we are treasuring our sin more than we are treasuring our Savior, the Bible says we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When there is known sin that we're engaged in and we really don't want to do anything about it, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Another response that we can have to the Holy Spirit is this. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit when we reject what He is speaking into our life. When there is something that the Lord is impressing on you through His Spirit, through His Word, through another believer, and you know it's God speaking to you, yet you choose to say, no thank you. You choose to ignore the voice of God. In that moment, here's what you're doing. You are quenching the Holy Spirit of God. And here's what's so dangerous. is when we repeatedly do that, our heart becomes hardened. Our heart becomes numb to the things of God. And it becomes harder and harder to, to sense his promptings and to hear his still, small voice. When we reject over and over and over again what God is speaking to us, we quench the Holy Spirit of God. But here's another way that follows the command in verse 18 that we can respond to the Holy Spirit. We can yield to the Holy Spirit. You see, we do not fill ourselves with the Spirit of God. We surrender to His control and He fills us. And when we choose to do that, what he does in and through us is endless. He guides, he comforts, he counsels, he encourages, he illuminates, he convicts, he, ass he assures, he gives, he speaks, he helps, he empowers. But that only happens as we yield ourselves. We yield the control of our lives to the Holy Spirit of God. Every believer has the Holy Spirit residing in them, but not every believer is yielded to the Holy Spirit moment by moment. Have you ever seen someone, I've had this thought, and we would never say this out loud, but have you ever looked at someone and said, man, the life and the power of God is just on them. Or you would say, man, they, they walk in such a deep faith and I don't. Or you think to yourself, man, they are so close to the Lord, and I'm not. What makes the difference? If we are all indwelt by the same Spirit, what makes the difference? Here's what makes the difference. Yielding to the control 
of the Holy Spirit of God. But, but how does that happen? Well, we don't have time to list all the different aspects that are a part of yielding control to the Holy Spirit. But I will tell you, as I think about men and women that I've seen who walk in close, intimate relationship with God, and I believe are filled with the Spirit of God, there are several things they prioritize that I think we need to consider tonight. First of all, one of the characteristics, one of the priorities that I've seen in every person that I've looked at who I believe has been filled with the Spirit is there is a sensitivity to personal sin. They take sin seriously. They know that sin can never disrupt their relationship with God, but it does hinder their fellowship with God. And because they want intimate fellowship with the Lord, if there is some sin that the Spirit of God exposes, they deal with it. Because they want closeness to the Lord. They're sensitive to personal sin. Another priority that I see in people who, who just walk closely with God and I believe are filled by His Spirit, it's this, it's this reality, this discipline of prayer and waiting. Prayer and waiting before the Lord. There have been many heroes of the faith that I've read their biographies. And one of the things that I've heard multiple times is people will look at heroes of the faith and say, wow, man, you spend so much time just before the Lord. How do you wake up that early? How do you spend that much time? And their response is always the same. They'll say, because my desire is to know Jesus and because of the magnitude of his mission, how can I not spend so much time in prayer and waiting before the Lord? This dynamic of being still and saying, Lord, before I enter into whatever this day holds, I need to be filled with your spirit. Prayer, the word, waiting. Now, contrast those priorities with the culture. Here's what the culture says. The culture says, never let anyone know that there's a kink in your armor. You need to appear to be in the best mood ever, excited about everything, and tell everyone everything is great all the time, whether you feel that way or not. Contrast that with the way of God, which is humility. It's brokenness. The closer I get to Him, the more sin I recognize in my own life. If you're a Jesus follower, you got to make a decision. Are you going to put on a front that appears to be great all the time, or are you going to be yielded to the Spirit of God with a sensitivity to personal sin, begging Him to fill you and use you in spite of your brokenness? Think about this other priority, this prayer and waiting priority. What does the world say? You have to pretend you're busy all the time in order to feel important. That's the culture. We live with hurried hearts, hurried minds, always on the go. Yet there is power in stillness. There is power in yielding ourselves. For some of us, the time during the week that we are the most still before the Lord is during prayer time in our Sunday service. Listen, that ain't good. We should be able to look over the course of the week and see many, many moments when we are still and we are waiting 
meditating on the truth, asking God to fill our lives. So once again, if you're a Jesus follower, you got to make a decision. Are you, are you going to allow your life to be controlled by your schedule? Or are you going to yield the control of your life to the Holy Spirit of God? Paul goes on in this passage in verses 19 and 20, and he shares a few things that are the fruit of people who were controlled by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 19. He says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Here's the principle there. The Holy Spirit in us, living through us, produces joy. When the Spirit of God in us is filling our lives and overflowing from our lives, there's joy. There's joy in our relationship with God and there's joy in our relationship with other people. Look at verse 20. He shares another principle. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the principle there. The Holy Spirit in us, living through us, produces thanksgiving. There's there's gratitude in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Now, if you're here and you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I'm not experiencing joy And I'm not experiencing thanksgiving. Here's the question you need to wrestle with. Are you yielding control of your life to the Holy Spirit of God? If the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not overflowing out of your life, it's not an issue of the Spirit indwelling you. It's an issue of you yielding the control of your life to Him. In 1876, Dwight L. Moody was preaching at what is now known as Madison Square Garden. And he was preaching specifically on the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to a statement he shared at that gathering. He said this, A great many think, because they have been filled once, They are going to be full for all time after. But oh, my friends, we are leaky vessels and have to be kept right under the fountain all the time in order to keep full. Let us keep near him. You and I are going to be controlled by something. Our emotions, a substance, our own ideas or plans. But if we want to be imitators of God, the only way that is possible is if we are controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Luke said in his gospel, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. How do we imitate God? How do we walk in love? How do we walk in light? How do we walk in wisdom? Here's how. We yield the control of our life to the Holy Spirit of God. And we trust Him to fill us 
and use us for his glory. Amen? Let me invite you to bow your head today. We're going to take a few moments now as we do every Sunday. We're just going to respond to what God's saying. Before we enter into another week, we want to just spend some time now before the Lord, listening to him, responding to him. I hope that as you're seated there before the Lord, your your heart cry is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. To be controlled and governed by the Spirit of God. But the reality is, for many of us, that's not the case. I want to ask you, are you grieving the Holy Spirit of God? Are you treasuring a sinful habit, an attitude, a sinful situation more than you are treasuring Jesus? And because of that, you are grieving the Holy Spirit of God, and he will not fill you. If the Lord brings something to your mind, even as you hear me say that, he's drawing you to himself. He's inviting you to deal with that. To make it right that he may fill you. Are you quenching the Holy Spirit of God? Is there something that God's been speaking to you about? Maybe once, maybe a hundred times. But you've just been ignoring it. You've been saying, no thank you. I'll deal with that later. I'm not ready yet. And because you are quenching the Spirit of God, He will not fill you. If there's something that God has spoken to you about, and He's bringing that back to your heart right now, He's inviting you to deal with it and to respond in obedience to what He's saying. Maybe you're here tonight and and your desire is not to yield to the Holy Spirit because you know you're not even a follower of Jesus. Listen, if you need Jesus tonight, the gospel is good news. God loves you, desires a relationship with you, and has made a way for you to know him through his son, Jesus. If you desire to be rescued tonight and given eternal life, in just a moment when we stand to sing this song, we have some pastors here across the stage. We would love to connect you to someone who can show you from the Bible how you can be born again into a relationship with God tonight. For the rest of us, what's controlling your life? What or who has the final say-so in your life? Lord, this is such a, just a weighty conversation. Lord, none of us can say today that we've got this figured out. But Lord, we are striving in your strength to submit to the control of your spirit. Lord, I pray that even as we take time tonight to respond to you, that Lord, you would draw us closer. You would give us the clarity we need, the humility we need, the courage we need.
to maybe let go of some stuff in order to allow you, the Holy Spirit of God, to fill us. You may also be here tonight and you have a need, physical, financial, relational need, and you just, you just need prayer. You feel the freedom as we respond in just a moment to come to this altar and kneel on these steps, to go to one of our pastors. We'd be honored to pray for you, to pray over you tonight. We're going to take this time during this song, and we're going to respond to the voice of God. Lord, continue to speak. We need you. In Jesus' name.